What's up, everybody? Welcome to Same Team, an LGBTQ sports podcast. I am your host, Daniel Trainer. How are you? Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me. It's a fun episode today, so I hope you sit back and relax. I, I love this conversation, and I think you will as well. Today's episode features a conversation with Rob Kearney. So Rob is a strongman competitor, the first strongman competitor I had ever spoken to let alone on this podcast, just in my life in general. Uh, for those who don't know, strongman competitions, you may have seen them on ESPN. They broadcast World's Strongest Man. That's obviously the pinnacle of the sport, but it's a really interesting thing. So I-, I learned a lot. I hope you do as well. Rob is openly gay. We talk about what it's like competing as an openly gay man in the sport of strongman, which itself is is a pretty hyper-masculine world, and Rob talks a lot about that and why he is so open uh, about his sexuality and why he's very open in his relationship. Uh, Rob just got married to his husband, Joey. We talk about their relationship and, and why they've made the choice to be so uh, kind of present and vocal about who they are and put a lot of their stuff on social media and how that's impacted both of their lives I really enjoyed this conversation. Rob just set an American record in a strongman event. We talk about that. That happened just earlier this month, so congratulations to him. It was fun to get to chat with Rob, fresh off the heels of that. So uh, without any further ado, let's just get into it. I learned a lot. I hope you learn a lot. Rob is a very smart, funny, interesting guy, and I I really enjoy getting to know uh, more about him. So here you go. Thanks for listening. Here's the same team one-on-one interview with strongman competitor Rob Kearney. Rob, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on here. It's it's going to be, I, I can only anticipate, very fun to talk to you because it's, it's going to be fun for me to dive into a world that really I don't know that much about. I, I've known about you and I've been reading about you and following your career for a while, but as a guy who can barely lift, uh, you know, his groceries off the ground, it's going to be really, <laughs> it's going to be really fascinating to talk to somebody who could, uh, definitely end my life if they wanted to. And that's thrilling. <laughs> that's thrilling for me. Oh, I'm, I'm super excited about this. And, you know, part of the thing I love about doing these is, you know, teaching people about the sport, um, you know, because it's been around for a long time, but not a lot of people know about it. So, yeah, well, so let's, I, I'm, I'm really interested to hear how you got into it. And I think to, to get into that, tell me about where you grew up and, and what kind of childhood you had. Yeah. So, um, growing up, you know, I was, uh, you know, the best way I describe it is like, I always tell people I loved sports, but I was never really athletic. Okay. So, I was like the the uh, the awkward chubby kid that always played sports, but was kind of never really that good, um, you know. So like I played baseball growing up. Um, where where did you grow up? So originally born in Brooklyn, New York, um, and then family relocated to like southeastern Connecticut. Um, went to high school in Norwich, Connecticut, at a pretty big school um, called Norwich Free Academy, and um, there is you know when I you know, was playing baseball a little bit. I I first started playing football there as well. And, um, that's actually because of football is where I found weightlifting. Mm -hmm. So high school and everything was great. Um, you know, like I said before, you know, I was, I was kind of that, you know, I was always a little chubby, overweight, um, a decent athlete, but never like a standout athlete and, um, kind of found my love for the weight room, um, through football. And that's kind of where everything with strongman kind of started. Yeah. That's interesting. So when you're playing football, how far did you play? 
I only played in high school. Oh, um, so you so started I, and ended in high school. Yeah, I literally started like in 10th grade and then finished senior year. And that's about it. So, I mean, how are you just a big kid from the jump? Not, I mean, I was, so like the funny thing is, is like my, 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 you know, my idea of big has totally been skewed now that I can be a strong man. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm um, sure. Because I'm, I'm actually the smallest competitor. <laughs> oh man. So, you know, like grow like in high school, I was like, you know, five ten, which is how tall I am now. And I always weighed between like about 200 to 210 pounds. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. So I was never really like that big. Yeah. I, I were so when you got to high school, were there were like the football coaches coming up to you? Like, what position did you play in high school? So I played offensive line, okay. um, and it literally was like I had always wanted to play, but so because I was on the younger side, like I didn't play Pop Warner because I would have to, you know. So I was younger and heavier, so I would have to like play up a level, and my mom wasn't comfortable with that. Right. Uh, so I never played growing up, and always wanted to. And so my friends finally convinced me to play when I was a sophomore in high school, um, which was great because I absolutely loved playing the game and, and had a great time doing it. Um, so I played offensive line. And then actually my junior and senior year, I was actually also a cheerleader in the winter season. So I oh, kind of did no a way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So that was actually a lot of fun. Um, I, I had a blast doing that. Um, ended up being better at that than. At football, I became all state in Connecticut. Um, you know, actually was offered a couple of college scholarships, which was cool. For cheerleading? Yeah, yeah. Did you consider doing that or no? I did. I did. Um, you know, I, I looked at a few schools and like sent an audition tapes, the whole nine yards. What is um, hold on. Not to stop not to cut you off. What is <laughs> what what is a what is an audition tape look like? So it literally was like you had to show like your stunting ability. So like I, I was a single base stunter. So I was the guy that literally like threw the girls in the air by myself and would catch them over my head. Um, so I did that. So I'd have to like show my skills with that. Um, had to like show some cheers and jumps. And if you had any like gymnastics abilities, which I totally didn't. Uh, <laughs> so I did, you know, I did definitely look into the whole cheerleading thing as an option for college. But um I, I kind of like decided what I wanted to do as a career really early um, in high school and um, realized that I wouldn't be able to be a cheerleader in college while also pursuing my career goals as well. Which in those career goal, the career goals are what? Um, so I actually knew really early on that I wanted to be an athletic trainer, mm -hmm. um, which is what I do now. And um, so actually as a sophomore in high school, I started shadowing the athletic trainer at my high school and just learning about the profession and everything they do for injury care, rehabilitation, prevention, um, being on the sidelines at games to help with injured athletes. And, uh, really just found a passion for that. And, um, after looking into the programs and how intensive they are throughout the four years, um, I just realized pretty quickly that that was going to have to be my focus instead of cheerleading. Yeah. So, so when you're in high school and you're playing football and you said you were okay, but not anything to necessarily write home about, when do you realize that you are, I don't know, really good at just li lifting up heavy things? So I didn't, I didn't really like realize it until um, my senior year. So I was, um, it was like, end of winter of my senior year. And I was just working out in the weight room and there was actually a substitute teacher at my school who was um, working at a CrossFit gym at the time as well. And he just kind of walked by and was like, Oh, like, 
you look like you're pretty strong. Um, if you want to do some stuff outside of here, you can start coming to the gym I go to. Um, so I took him up on that and I actually started going to the gym at like five o'clock in the morning before school would start as a senior in high school. Wow. And um, found out really quickly I sucked at CrossFit. <laughs> I was really good at lifting heavy shit. Yeah, the CrossFit and, uh, community is something that I I simultaneously find completely fascinating, but also like just completely uh, just something that I don't need to know anything about. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and like so I I mean I that this was back in two thousand nine, so it literally like was the beginning of CrossFit. Yeah, so I was, was gonna say that must be like the onset of the whole thing. Yeah, it was totally new to everybody. So like, you know, everybody, you know, will, you know, try to like shit on CrossFit. But like, honestly, like I wouldn't be doing Strongman without it. So I kind of have a little love for it. Sure. Um, so it literally was, you know, I, I got I got good at lifting and, you know, getting the movements down. And there there literally was a day when I walked into the gym and the owner said, hey, by the way, there's a local Strongman contest coming up this weekend and we signed you up for it. <laughs> Oh, wow. um, so you really you got into the strongman stuff just completely by somebody else's volition. Totally. Um, I was only 17 years old. Um, I had never even picked up a single thing uh, of an implement that strongman uses. And like I'd always seen it on TV, thought it was really badass, but never thought that I could do it. And um, so, yeah, so I went to the contest um, when I as a 17 year old. And actually, it was the day after my senior prom. So <laughs> I literally had like two hours of sleep um, down like a five hour energy and then went to do this strongman contest. And how did it go? I got my ass kicked. <laughs> um, but it was so much fun. And it was it was great because um, I learned really quickly, like how motivating and fun the strongman community is. Yeah. And for them to like see a 17 year old kid just out there having fun and trying everything for the first time, um, it was great just, you know, having people cheer me on and like teach me pretty much as I was competing. Right. And um, that's just really what got me hooked. So what do you at your first strongman competition? What are you even doing? I mean, walk me through what the competitions are. Um, so at that level, competition, competitions are essentially five events um, that test different you know, areas of strength. Um, so there's usually an overhead press event. Um, there's usually some kind of deadlift event. There's usually a couple of different like conditioning movements. And then there's, you know, eight times out of 10, there's going to be the, um, iconic like Atlas stones, which are the big cement balls that we lift. Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, I'm familiar. So at this contest, um, it was the overhead press event was a thing that we call an axle, which is essentially a really like thick barbell. Um, and it had tires on the ends of it. And I think it was only like 150 pounds. You had to pick it up from the ground and press it overhead as many times as you could in a minute. Okay. Um, it was, I believe like a 350 pound deadlift for reps in a minute. There was the Atlas stones. There was a tire flipping event. And then, um, I believe there was also an event called the Fingal Fingers, which are like those really big both <laughs> sure. alternated degrees. Okay. Um, so like those were the first five events that I ever did. And uh, like I said, I, I totally got my ass kicked, but um, it, it hooked me into the sport, you know, and still doing it now. Yeah. So, so you do it and it, it doesn't necessarily go well for you, but you just get this hunger in you to, to keep going. Yeah, I just realized, like, I had a lot of fun. And I think at that point, like, I realized, like, I wasn't going to be playing football in college. Um, I wanted to stay somewhat active. And um, 
kind of saw this as an end to something that I could potentially be pretty good at. Right. And I, I get it from the perspective of like, it's, it's something that you can just continuously track yourself getting better at. Right. Like it's, it, it's something like football or any sort of organized sport to an extent can be a little abstract in, in a sense, but when you're doing this individual thing where you're quite literally just seeing how much you can exert your physical power, that has to get a little addicting, right? Where you realize that you just want to see these numbers rise. You want to see yourself improve. Like I can, I can under, I could never do it, of course, but I can, <laughs> I can relate to this idea of getting addicted to something early. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's super objective. And like you said, you know, like, um, back then, you know, I was keeping a, a little journal of my workouts and, you know, it's just motivating every time you see, you know, you add five pounds to the bar, it's okay. I'm five pounds stronger than I was before. And that just keeps on piling and piling up, which is, you know, that's, that's essentially the motivation to keep getting better, yeah. um, throughout the years. So when you're in high school, you're 17, you're in a strongman competition. Where are you in terms of your personal growth? Have you thought about your sexuality at all at this point? No, um, I was single all throughout high school. Um, like didn't have Me any, too. Interest. don't need to brag. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like, I really like think, you know, I get asked this question a lot and thinking back on it, like, I don't remember having an interest like either way in girls or guys. Um, until when? <laughs> okay. You know, I guess. Or, well, I guess I could say guys, um, <laughs> just, you know, like I would like think like, oh, like that guy's cute. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like it never went further than that. Yeah. Um, you know, but like, I didn't actually like have my first relationship, I guess, until like almost my senior year of college. Yeah. And it was with a girl. Oh, really? Oh, tell me about yeah. that. What, so what, what <laughs> happened? How long did that last? Uh, lasted, uh, over a year. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so, so senior year of college, are you, you're in this, you're in this relationship with a woman. Are you in it 100% or are, is there something in the back of your mind the entire time where you're like, this isn't right? Totally in the back of my mind, not thinking this was right. Yeah. Um, you know, like the way I describe it, it pretty much just felt like I was like really good friends and like, like I didn't feel anything more and, um, but like was doing it because I thought that's what I should do. Did you guys like, uh, forgive me if this is too much, but we, did you guys like, you know, like have sex? We did. And it was fine. I mean, not fine. <laughs> <laughs> was it fine for her? I, I don't know. We never talked about that. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it was what, always awkward for me anyway. Well, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Like it was never, it was, never. Yeah, like, it was never fun. No, no. And like I said, like, I, I think I was like doing it cause I thought that's what I needed to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, what, I mean, why, I mean, what is your, what is your family background? Like, is that just something that was in your own head or is that something that was sort of ingrained in you from an early age? No, I think it was just in my own head. Like I had a lesbian aunt and like my family was always super open and accepting of, you know, everything. Um, but for some reason, I think it was just this dialogue that I had with myself that this was what I needed to do. And so I'd be doing it. So what happens when you guys break up? Um, I broke up with her because I told her, like, I think I'm gay. 
Oh, okay. Well, um, well so that was that'll that'll do it. Yeah, and um, you know, sure enough, I that was right. What is and, what was um, her, what was her reaction to that? At first, okay, and then a very quick downward spiral to total bitch. Oh, really? Yeah, it kind of ex- it imploded, I guess. Really, what happened? Um, just a whole lot of nastiness. That was totally uncalled for. Okay. Well, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds juicy though, Rob. But I'm happy. So that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. You got your happy ending and that we'll get to that. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about what's going on with you now. Um, for sure. Well, uh, interesting. So, so after that relationship ends, what happens with you? Um, I met Joey pretty quickly after. Oh, really? How soon after? Um, about three months. Really? So Joey, well, let's, let, let's get, let's, I'll, let's put a pin in this. I want to get to Joey. I want to talk more about strong man before we get to Joey. So, yeah. so throughout college, um, what, how does the strong man stuff evolve? I mean, so you're 17 and you start walk me through the next steps of sort of getting yourself more ingrained in this world. Yeah. So, um, so I went off to college. I went to Springfield college, um, where where? uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and that's where, you know, I majored in athletic training and, you know, decided this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And there they actually had a powerlifting team, um, which powerlifting is a little different than strongman. It's, you know, powerlifting is just squat bench and deadlift testing your one rep max, how much you can lift on those, on those exercises. And that's it. Um, so I joined that team and did that for about a year. Had some success with it. It was fun, um, but realized it wasn't like exciting enough for me. Yeah. Um, so the following, so that was my freshman year. And then June, so the summer going into my sophomore year, I actually went back to that first contest I ever did a year before and um, met the owner of a gym in South Windsor, Connecticut, which happened to only be about 20, 20 25 minutes from where I was going to college. Okay. And, um, he was doing the strongman contest and said, Oh, like if you want to train some strongman stuff, I'm starting to get stuff at my gym. So you should come down. Um, so I took him up on that and would start training at his gym every weekend while I was in college. Um, so that was kind of like my college routine. Um, you know, I guess I couldn't, I, I'm, I don't refer to myself as like a quote unquote normal college student uh, <laughs> because my Friday nights usually included me like going to bed around 10 30 or 11 and then um, waking up at like eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday to go to the gym. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, that no, that was me too in college, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, so um, so I would I did that literally, you know, every single every weekend while I was in college, leading up until graduation. And um, throughout that time, I, I essentially just got more involved in the sport and just competed as much as I could. Um, and that's kind of you know, what led me to where I am today. And like, you know, people, you know, I'm at, I'm at the pinnacle of the sport now, which is super exciting. But one thing like people don't realize is like, this just came up in conversation at the gym the other day is like in the first eight contests I did in my career, I took dead last. Oh, so like, this wasn't something I was good at from the start. Um, I was just really stubborn and refused to give up. Well, stubborn's one word for it, or there, you know, other people might motivated. refer to it as, yeah, you're just uh, a motivated guy. Um, 
Yeah. So, so like I said, I did that, you know, essentially every single weekend in college and then, um, just got better and better as the years went on and ended up, um, going to my first national championship in 2011, um, where I actually took, I ended up taking second place in the 200 pound weight class. Um, the following year in 2012, I went back to the national championship and took second place in the, in a higher weight class in the 231 division. Um, and then 2013 is when I, I won the national championship and that's when I officially turned pro. I mean, this whole world is so interesting to me. So, I mean, so in, two, so in 2013, you have this great success. I mean, what does that do for your life? I mean, does, does your life change at all? Um, you know, at that level, no. So, so there's essentially two levels of professional athletes and strongman. Um, there's, there's the 105 kilo division, which is 231 and under, which is considered lightweight. Okay. And then there's the heavyweight, which is essentially anything over that. Uh, right. And so the lightweight division really isn't like that well known, you know, because one, the sport's really not that well known. And those aren't the guys that are on TV at World's Strongest Man. Right. Um, so really nothing had changed when I had turned pro. It just pretty much gave me the opportunity to compete for the title of America's Strongest Man. And then um, also would give me some international opportunities if they ever came up. Right. Okay. So during so that's all I did. Yeah. So <laughs> the question I might be most interested and excited to ask you is about um, what your typical day is like and what you're eating on a daily basis. Does it? <laughs> so walk me through what it's like then. I mean, has it from you know let, let's say from 2011, 2012, whatever to now? Has your has your diet changed at all? Totally. So what is it, what is it like then? And then what is it like now? I want to know everything you've eaten today. So back then, um, I was competing at a lower weight class than what I actually weighed. Um, so I essentially was, I, I kind of like equate myself to like what a UFC fighter puts their body through. Oh my God. So, which I can't but, even imagine. So when I was competing under 200 pounds in 2010 and 2011, um, I was walking around about 215 pounds to 220 pounds. So essentially like I would eat kind of normally, like nothing crazy, three to four meals a day, kind of whatever I want. I was a college student. I couldn't really be too picky. Right. And then, um, the week of the or about two weeks out is when I would start my prep for my weight cut. Um, so, you know, I do the whole starting to cut carbs. I'd increase my cardio, do all that mumbo jumbo. And then the week before, um, is when things would get, you know, a little bit crazy. And that's when I would, um, I'd go to this thing called water loading. So I would essentially like hyperhydrate. <laughs> so I would drink up to okay. three gallons of water per day for oh. two days. Oh my God. Uh, and then it would go down to two gallons and then one gallon and then, um, 24 hours before weigh-ins and all this time I'm only eating chicken and vegetables and nothing else. Oh Jesus. How often are um, you going to the bathroom? Uh, it was rude how often I would have to pee. Um, <laughs> yeah, I bet. So all, you know, so eating chicken and chicken and vegetables, drinking a bunch of water. And then 24 hours before weigh-ins, I would cut all food and water from my diet. I don't, I couldn't go 24 hours without eating. Yeah. Eat, and honestly, eating wasn't even the hard part. It was just not having anything to drink for 24 hours. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's um, true. And then I would also go to the sauna. Oh my God. Okay. So in, 
2011, that was my last time competing at 200 pounds. The night before weigh-ins, I went to bed weighing about 216 pounds. Woke up the next morning at 210 pounds. You lost six pounds while sleeping? <laughs> well, I also peed like eight times. <laughs> okay. Um, and then on the flight down, we were competing in Tunica, Mississippi. My flight from Hartford, Connecticut to Tunica. By the time I got to weigh-ins, I weighed 199.8 pounds. No way. So in the span of less than 24 hours, I lost 16 pounds. Oh, my God. Wait a second. I need to get on this. Can you yeah, but then I started drinking water and eating, and I was back up to 220 by the next morning. Are you feeling like hell, though? Um. Yes and no. Like, it's you know, crazy to me that you lose that amount of weight with the intention of competing in a strong man. Like, th those two things don't equate in my brain. And that's that's the whole thing with weight classes They, you know, it's and that's, you know, why I don't do any of that anymore. And um, but it was all just to compete, to be more competitive, essentially, in the weight class that I was felt strongest in. Right. Um, and I did the same thing when I was competing at 231 pounds. Um, and I actually competed under 231 up until 2016. Um, you know, so. Joey, my husband, this is his favorite story to tell is my last contest as a, as a 231 athlete was two was world's strongest man for that weight class. And it was in Belfast, Northern Ireland. So I had actually never traveled internationally, uh, while cutting weight like this. So by the time I'd done all my water manipulation and no food and water, we were on our flight over to Ireland. And I was like having these like flashes of like sweating, but also shivering at the same time. <laughs> and this is July now. So we get off the flight in Dublin and then we have like a two and a half hour bus ride north to Belfast. And um, at the, so we get onto the bus. It's July. There's no air conditioning and the windows don't open. <laughs> uh -oh. So. Yeah. So we get on this. We get on this bus and we start going and I'm just feeling like hell. And I look at Joey at one point, I'm like, I need to throw up. And he's like, well, we're on a bus and the windows don't open. So Very I know what's nervous right now. And I look down and there was a McDonald's cup <laughs> at my feet. So he reached down, grabbed it. I puked into the McDonald's cup, put the lid back on and put it under the seat. <laughs> Wait, this must have been like an extra large. No, well, I, I was nearly 22 hours with no food or water, so there wasn't that much oh, stuff coming sure. out. Oh, we're, sure. We're, we're strictly liquid at this point. <laughs> yeah. So um, so it was at that moment that I realized I would never be competing as a 231 athlete ever again. Right. Um, and that was also – I also had a horrible performance at that competition, so it just kind of solidified that. Um, but kind of to reel it back into like your regular – your your question um, – yeah. Food-wise, all that time, um, like I said, nothing really changed between then. Um, you know, I was eating fairly normally. Um, at that point, you know, up until 2016, it was probably like four to five meals a day. Um, trying to eat mostly clean, but, you know, having my Ben & Jerry's cheat meal every once in a while. Um, and then now it looks completely different. You know, in the past year, I've actually started working with a nutrition company, um, and you know, now being, you know, I'm five, 10, 280 pounds at this point. Um, so just to be able to fuel my body through training sessions and competitions, the, the food is a lot different now. 
Yeah. So what? So walk me through your day today. What have you had to eat? Um, so pretty much all of my meals are chicken and rice. So I eat a lot like a bodybuilder. Okay. Um, I don't look like one, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's mainly like the way, the way my nutrition coach talks about it. It's, um, I don't have to be as strict like bodybuilders, you know, like they're watching their sodium and like they can't do sauces. I want my food to taste good so I can be a little more lenient, which is nice. Um, but each meal I eat is around six and a half ounces of meat. So chicken, beef, or turkey usually, um, between one and a half to two cups of rice. Um, my favorite thing to add is sun-dried tomatoes because it essentially tastes like candy to me. Yeah. And, um, that's pretty much what I eat for most of my meals. Don't do you get bored? Surprisingly? No, I like, um, I don't know what, how, do you, how often do you, can you even go out to eat? Like what happens if you go out to dinner? Yeah, no, I totally can. And if I go out to eat, I'll have a steak and, you know, or, you know, sometimes I'll go with a burger depending on what my, my training looks like. Um, so like, I'm not like a hundred percent strict all the time because like, for me, I'm not, I'm not dieting for a physique purpose. Right. Um, right. I'm, I'm, you know, consuming food for, you know, training purposes and to fuel my body to help with that sounds douchey. Um, <laughs> Just to like help me get through training and competitions just so I can perform at the highest level. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm not like super strict, um, you know, but I try to keep it, you know, kind of within the lines a little bit all the time. I'm envisioning, uh, cause on, uh, last season of the real housewives of New Jersey, uh, Teresa Judice, who is, uh, was training for a bodybuilding competition, which I realize is completely different, but she, when she would go out to eat, she would bring her own chicken with her to the restaurant and chop it up and put it on top of a salad. So I was just a little concerned that maybe that's what you were doing. And so I'm, I'm relieved to hear that you weren't. No. Yeah. I, um, I, I give, I have so much respect for people that do that. Cause it takes, oh, I don't at all. I, I really power. never want to be friends with anybody who would ever do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, it's a different world. And, you know, like yeah. I said, I, I like, I like, you know, training for strength and, um, that's about it. So you meet Joey. Let's talk about Joey. Yes. You meet Joey six months after you and this year long relationship with a woman. Had, did you go on any dates with men? Is Joey your first, your first boyfriend, your first date with a guy? Yes. First date. Yep. See, that is fascinating to me. Um, yeah. So, so how'd you guys meet? Grinder. Of course. I mean, I what a it's. I love that. It wouldn't be a gay love story without Grinder. It truly wouldn't. Listen, that's great. So, who messaged who first? Joey messaged me. Um, what I was, was his totally, message. It was super like hey. It was just like hey, what's going on? Yeah. Um, sure. and like. To be totally honest, I thought he was catfishing me because <laughs> Joey, he listen, Joey's a good looking guy. So that's the thing. Like Joey, 100% is the type of guy like I always wanted and really didn't think I would get. Oh, so, Rob, 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 Rob. Yeah. We're, we're not going to have to sort of talk. This podcast. <laughs> Unbelievable. You're I'm a good just... looking. You're you're a good looking guy yourself. That's an insane thing to say. I appreciate that. Um. But so like, no, like I honestly thought like he was totally catfishing me. And so we ended up talking and, um, it was awesome. It was super easy conversation. I had just finished, um, like my first year of grad school 
and he actually had just like moved home after finishing his bachelor's degree. Um, so we just happened to be in the same area cause he grew up a town over from where I was going to college. And, um, so we actually talked for like three weeks before I even asked him out on a date. Okay. I like that. And it was, it was just like texting and phone calls and stuff like that. Um, phone, oh, phone calls before the date. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah. So, well, it was a lot of texting first and then I asked him out via text. And then I was like, I should probably call him before our first date. So like we can actually just hear what each other's voices sound like and just have a real conversation. Okay. Um, so we did that. I called him. Uh, I mean, I still remember this night like it was yesterday. I called him at eight o'clock at night and we stayed on the phone until three o'clock in the morning. Whoa. I'm no yeah. math major, but that's seven hours. It was like. Typical middle school, just like stupid conversation. And it was so much fun. That's beautiful. Um, so we talked forever. And then we ended up having our date like two days after that phone call. What'd you um, guys do? I, uh, super cliche, just dinner and a movie. What um, movie did you see? Oh, God. Um, if you don't remember this, I, I remember he's going to be. Pissed. He, is it um something about cops? He always makes fun of me so, because the I, heat. I, I no, it what was year is this? Oh, shit. It was this was 2014. Something um, about cops. Twenty fourteen. Uh, Hold on. Let's be cops. That's what it is. Let's be wait, what is that again? I know what that is. Let's <laughs> be cops. I'm on my computer, I'm looking this up. Let's be cops. It was oh, a comedy. Right, right, it, right, right. Yes, of course. With uh, what's his name? With Damon Wayans Jr. and Jake Johnson. Yes. So. Well, we, listen, it's only up from here. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, I'm sorry. Um, oh, sorry, but, Joey, so if you picked we, like, yeah, totally, we totally didn't anticipate the timing of this date correctly. So, like, we got to dinner way early. Um. Had a really nice meal. Where'd and you then, go? Shout out the restaurant. <laughs> so we went to Cal's in West Springfield, Massachusetts. Cal's. Uh, Interesting. I was – so ironically, we go on this date, and I was actually cutting weight for a contest. Oh, my Because I was competing in my first America's Strongest Man like three weeks after we had met. Um, so I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget. I ordered salmon. He got a salad. Oh, my God. I know. It's disgusting. This is, this is really rough to listen to. <laughs> I'm well, looking. So, I, I'm currently looking at the Cal's Wood Fired Grillin' Bar menu. Uh, yeah, the Sam. Wow, there's a lot of good stuff on here. But whatever, that's fine. Crusted salmon. It was delicious. I'm sure. No, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> wow, this place so, looks great. Oh, all these appetizers. Okay, go on. Sorry. So we get to dinner. We have a great meal, and then um, we realize we have like two hours before the movie starts. Um, so we ended up going to Dick's Sporting Goods and just like, really just like walked around, looked at clothes, kind of just like, it was... Wow, the clothing selection at a Dick's, I mean... I know. There really isn't much in West Springfield, Massachusetts, so slim pickings. Yeah, well, yeah, what are you going to do? Um, so we ended up going to the movie. It was great. Had our first kiss there. Um, During the movie, after the movie. During. Oh, the movie's that bad. 
And I just really wanted to kiss him. Ooh, Joey. <laughs> um, and then a lot of kisses after that. Okay. Wow. 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 And that's wow. where it ended on the first date. Um, how how far how far apart are you guys living again at this point? Like two or three towns, so maybe like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when does when does date two happen? The next day. Oh, I mean, you guys, you know, when you know, you know, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, you know, things things really clicked for us pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's just funny because like neither of us were even looking for a relationship. That's when it happens, Rob. And, you know, both of us totally messed that up pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, when like was there any part of you that was a little bit nervous about the fact that this was your first relationship with a guy that things were moving so quickly? Completely terrified. Yeah. I mean, was there any part of you that wanted to maybe take things a little bit slower and like date around a little bit? Um, you know, not really. Like I just like thinking back to like that time I was, I was super happy. Um, I didn't know anybody that was gay. Wait, ever? Like, I, Even I at this point? People. Like, I knew a few people, but like, was like, I didn't have like a group of friends or like, really, I really didn't know much about anything. Right. Because uh, I mean, you have to realize, like, I, I grew up in the sport of strongman, which is like super hyper masculine, and I'm surrounded by straight men all the time. Of course. Um, and that's pretty much all I knew. Wait, did you? Mean, know, did you so, I mean, even at this point, when you when you start to date Joey, I mean, had you sort of come out to yourself at this point in sort of the months in between your relationship ending and starting to date Joey? Yes. I'd come out to myself. Um, had you and come I had out to come anybody out, else? I had come out to a, a few of my closest friends. Were they surprised? No. <laughs> Yeah, nobody ever really is. No, um, they weren't. Um, but it was all like super positive. Like literally, when I say like I came out to like a few friends, it was literally like three people. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I meet Joey and like he had come out in high school. So I sort of and, and th I mean this as a compliment to Joey. I've truly literally never met Joey in my life but I I get that vibe from him like he just comes across as being very sort of like confident and cool and calm unbelievably um and that that was like like he's a really big motivator for like as to why I came out publicly you know so yeah him and I, I, I yeah I want to ask about that because so 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 walk me through sort of the trajectory of your relationship because the two of you have been very sort of public about everything which i think is so fantastic and so great so i mean you know as you guys start to date and realize that like it's you know you guys are going to be more than boyfriends and eventually get married i mean what 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 are the conversations you two are having about you know your relationship and how public you want to be with things um well i mean i think to start off like neither of us thought our relationship was going to be this public um, and it literally was just like, we were just dating and having fun and kind of enjoying each other's company. And, you know, we decided to, you know, I guess make things official, um, you know, kind of 
not like quickly, but definitely like a few weeks, maybe a month after we had started, like uh, after our first date. Yeah. Um, and that's that's when I decided to come out to my family. And um, how did that go? I, I'm super fortunate. Um, it went really well for me. Um, you know, so I, I came out to my mom and she wasn't even a little bit surprised after me being a cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Who would have thought? Although uh, a question, a question for you is sort of the, the world of male cheerleaders, what, and this is, I, I'm asking you to define a, a community that it, it's unfair for you to do this, but what, what sort of percentage of the male cheerleader community do you think is gay? Oh, that's tough. Um, I, was I really have, no, I have no read on that. Um, I do know, I know a few male cheer, like guys that were in college that were cheerleaders that are straight. Um, so I really don't know. You know how you know how true the stereotype actually is. Yeah. Well, that was an unfair question to me to ask, but I'm I'm just interested in like in in all of that because I I find I find male cheerleaders to be so interesting and powerful and and cool and uh yeah like I know I have friends who are who are male cheerleaders who are gay I just, I just sort of wonder what the the demographics are there it's it's such a I, I think they're so interesting. Yeah. Um. So came out to my mom and that was her response. And then, you know, coming out to my dad, I was definitely like more intimidated. Um, I, like I said, you know, like I had a, a lesbian aunt. So like, and it was my mom's sister. So I wasn't really scared to come out to her. Um, my dad is an Irish Catholic man from Brooklyn, New York. Sure. Um, so definitely was more intimidated to come out to him. And I remember sitting in his car, um, we were driving home from lunch and I look at him and I was like, you know, I have something to tell you. Um, you know, I, Tell him that I'm gay. And the first thing he, he looks at me and he says, well, can I still say gay jokes? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We love your dad. So, yep. Shout out to Bob. Um, shout out, Bob. So, yeah, that was his response. And I love that. I mean, I, much how- I wait, I guess I don't. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, gay <laughs> jokes. But no, Bob sounds great. Um, yeah, so, so that's how me coming out went. Um, so like, I, I'm super lucky, um, that I had a family that totally supported me and, um, you know, and then it was a few weeks after that, that I kind of came out to the world and that's when mine and Joey's relationship got really public. Yeah. So what was that like? Um, we didn't expect it. So, you know, I, I had gotten to this point in my relationship with Joey that realized this was more than just a little fling and that we really loved each other. And, um, you know, kind of when driving home from, from school one day was like, I, I just need to do this. So before he had gotten home of when we were meeting up that night, I, I, you know, wrote up this man crush Monday post for Facebook. Um, and you know, showed it to him before I posted it. And he was like, if you're ready, go ahead for it. So I posted it. Um, it went viral pretty quickly. And um, kind of threw us into the spotlight. And like I said, we just weren't expecting that. So how do you handle that? I mean, do you wake up the next morning and 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 think, oh, my God, like this is not what I was prepared for. This is not what I wanted or was ready for. I mean, you guys are sort of thrown into the fire in terms of like I, I can imagine that 
you you must have felt some sort of like responsibility that you weren't maybe necessarily prepared for. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't think there was like any way to foresee it. Um, but you know, I mean, Joey, Joey's a trooper and took it in stride and was super supportive of me and everything that was going on. And, you know, pretty much with our relationship being cast to the world, um, literally like almost overnight, you know, it was, you know, both of our social medias were blowing up and, you know, we're, you know, it was, it just seemed like, you know, okay, here we are two gay guys just living our lives. And the next thing we're being contacted by Huffington post and Perez Hilton is tweeting about us. And, um, you know, we're going on TMZ and it, it was just crazy. I mean, what was it like though? I mean, is that, did you like that or did you feel like your world was sort of being invaded upon? Cause like it, was, it, mu- it must be weird to just overnight all of a sudden be expected to speak for an entire community. Right. Yeah. I mean, but it was also really exciting. You know, I think the scary part was is like, I was such a new gay that well, that's <laughs> another thing. I mean, like you, like you're being thrust upon all this responsibility and you're like, this is literally my first boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there was a lot of anxieties about everything, but the entire time, like, I was just like, you know what, if I, if I just kind of like say what's on my mind and stick to, you know, kind of stay true to my guns, like yeah. whatever happens, happens. And I just kind of, that's how I went about everything. So, uh, I want to hear about your wedding. Tell me about, uh, the day I've seen photos, uh, but tell me about the wedding and, and how that all went down. Um, I mean, it was, it was perfect. So Joey and I got engaged actually on his birthday in 2016. Um, so we've been how, engaged. How, how old are you guys? Um, we're both 27 right now. Okay. Turning 28 later this year. Um, Enjoy your 20s, Rob. <laughs> thank you. Um, so, so yeah, we got engaged in 2016. So we've been engaged for a long time and had toyed around with the idea of this, you know, the big traditional wedding and all that stuff. And, um, once we saw the price tag, that was a really big turnoff. <laughs> um, and then we also realized, like, we're too selfish for a big traditional wedding because uh, we want it to be about us. And um, so we, we had this trip booked to Australia for my competition. And about a month and a half before, Joey looks at me. He's like, why don't we just get married while we're there? Um, I was like, OK, that sounds awesome. So. You know, we kind of scrambled to get all the paperwork in order and book everything. And um, so we got married on on March 17th of, of this year. Um, and it was amazing. So we got married on a cliff overlooking the beach in Melbourne, Australia. Disgusting. It was 80 degrees and sunny and gorgeous. Um, yeah, and it was it was the most amazing day. Ugh. And so and then what less than a month later, you set the U.S. record for the log press. Is this correct? Yeah. Yeah. I just did that like two weeks ago. So uh, my first question, what is the log press? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then and then secondly, what was that like? So the log press is literally a wooden log with handles carved into it. They have to pick up off the ground and then press it over your head. Um so, you know, throughout my strongman career, I've been known pretty well for my overhead pressing um, and was kind of favorited to break the American record going into this contest. And um, so it, it was 
currently held by a guy named Robert Oberst, um, who lives in Texas. Um, he's like six foot five, like 360 pounds. And, um, so yeah, so I went into this contest in England, you know, with my goal of breaking the American record. And I, I did in front of a crowd of almost 11,000 people in Leeds, England. And, uh, you know, it just it's it's amazing. You know, like I said, you know, in the beginning of this whole thing is, you know, being that like kind of awkward, chubby, not terribly athletic kid growing up. And all of us dream about being a professional athlete at some point in our lives. And then to be able to do, you know, to set an American record on on a stage like that was just um, it was a dream come true. What? So what what how much did you did you press? So I pressed uh, 471 pounds overhead. That's that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I have like in my in my room right now. I have like uh like two twenty pound weights that if I lift ten times in succession, I need to like sit down. <laughs> it's in, I mean it's insane to me the things that the human body can do if you like actually uh I don't know do something with your life. Yeah, I mean, I you know what what I try to tell people, I was like, this is actually my tenth year doing the sport of strongman. Yeah. Um. So like, I've been doing it for a long time, and it's it's taken a lot to get to this point. Um. But you know, now that I'm here, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, and, and what sort of pride do you take in in being this you know this openly gay man who's doing this sport that you know, like you were saying, historically is, is certainly not some place where LGBTQ people are necessarily welcomed. I mean, that must make it that much cooler. What sort of feedback have you gotten from not only fans and, and other people in the community, but from fellow competitors? You know, so the coolest thing about Strongman is when it comes down to it, it's all just about the weight. Um, so, you know, when I came out back in 2014, like not a single one of my competitors blinked an eye. Um, they were all super supportive. Um, you know, they welcomed Joey and like family and, uh, you know, it was really just an amazing moment. And that's how it's been ever since, as I moved up into the ranks and now compete at the highest level, um, you know, like being on world strongest man on TV and the producers are pulling Joey aside to interview him. Um, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. And then from the fans perspective, you know, there's always going to be assholes, you know, so I get homophobic messages and hate comments on a daily basis on my social media platforms. But um, overwhelmingly, it's um, unbelievably positive, uh, the amount of messages I get, um, whether it be from adults or parents or kids, uh, just, you know, telling me that I'm motivating them or, you know, just helping a kid find themselves. Uh, it's it's something I didn't think that I would be. You know, I didn't think I'd kind of be like this, you know, somebody once referred to me as like a beacon of light. Um, I never thought that I would be that just by like saying, hey, I'm in love with this guy. Right. Um, and I just happen to be really strong. So I, I never thought that this would kind of be where I'm at today. But it's it's, you know, it's, you know, almost been an honor to be able to like kind of have this on my shoulders and, you know, to be able to showcase mine and Joey's relationship in such a public way and um, be able to compete at this sport as well. Well, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I think like, you know, it, it, you represent sort of this, this barrier that's never really been broken down. And I think to be the first to sort of do that must feel a little bit heavy, <laughs> no pun intended, I guess, but you know, it, it, it has to be, 
kind of a crazy thing. I mean, you know, the other guys that you're competing against, I mean, do you talk to them? Do you have relationships with the, with the people you're competing with? Yeah. I mean, they're some of my best friends and, um, we, you know, we only see each other a handful of times cause we live all over the world, but you know, we have group chats just like every other group of friends. Um, you know, we, <laughs> what do you guys group chat about? Like chicken? <laughs> it's a lot of lifting videos. <laughs> Um, oh, very homoerotic. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But um, no, it's just like we talk and we talk about life stuff, too, because a lot of us have, you know, quote unquote, normal jobs. Um, we have families. So, yeah. you know, checking up on how my my good friends kids are doing. It's it's always good to see that, um, you know, Joey, <laughs> Joey has been appointed the uh, president of the Strongman Wives Club. <laughs> so, I'm you know, sure he like, loves that. Oh, he does. You know, at all the competitions, you know, I, I love telling the story. So at World Strongest Man last year, we're in the Philippines and it was hot as hell. It was about 105 degrees, 90 percent humidity, just absolutely miserable. And um, so we have this full day of filming and interviews and equipment testing and just working our ass off even before the contest starts. And me and a group of the athletes, we, we walk by the pool and there's Joey and all the wives drinking pina coladas out of coconuts on hammocks. <laughs> <laughs> he was Joey. You know, Joey's living the life that I want to live. Yeah, uh, you know, I look at him and I, you know, he's too far away, but I'm mouthing him, "You bitch," because um, <laughs> I wanted that to be me. Yeah. And uh, you know, so he he loves it, you know, because him and all the girls get together at all the competitions, and um, so it's just. The community is so amazing and um, all the guys have just been super supportive of me and Joey and just, you know, like I said, accepting us with open arms. Well, let me I, I want to ask you something. This is a sensitive topic that you don't want to talk about. We we don't have to. But can I ask you a couple questions about what's been going on with what, you know, uh, Bjornsson, you know, the mountain from Game of Thrones has been saying about his his sort of steroid use? Yeah. So. For the, for those who don't know, so the mountain, this guy who's on Game of Thrones, uh, Half Thor Bjornsson, is that his name? I think I'm saying yes. that correctly. So yep. he he last week he sort of came out in this interview in ESPN that I guess was was sort of taped a while ago, but this sort of piece that aired recently. Uh, he's the reigning world strongest man. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, he won in the Philippines last year. Right. So he he essentially said and admitted that he had been, that he had used steroids because he said, you know, essentially I, I want to do anything that I can in order to win, right? And so yeah. when you come to the strongest man competition, it, it sort of seems like the the drug use rules are a little bit vague. So I'm I, I'm just con I, I'm interested in, in what you have to say about this and 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 how you feel about him coming out and saying that. You know, um, you know, in the sport of strongman, I you know, I will say like we are drug tested athletes. And um, you know, like he said in that interview, like, yeah, he's done them before, but he's never been caught. And, you know, I, I've been asked this a lot in the past few days after this whole thing came out. And, you know, the, the thing I equate it to is, you know, if if people, you know, listening to this think that most professional athletes are not taking some sort of performance enhancing drug, you're kidding yourself. Um, there's ways around drug tests. Um, you know, I, I did two internships in the NFL and, you know, can tell you I saw a lot of things. Um, you know, so I think, I think the use of PEDs is a lot higher than people think. 
And, um, you know, for him to come out and say that it's, that's his personal stance. I guess, you know, I can't speak for him. Um, but I, you know, can relate, you know, to the point of saying like, yeah, if you want to be the best, you're going to do whatever you have to do. Yeah. I mean, does, does that in, in any way, does that taint? his accomplishment to you or does that taint the sport to you? I mean, as somebody who, you know, myself, like I, like I've said, is sort of an outsider. It's an interesting thing. And there's been, there's been so much debate about what he's saying because in essence, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what he's saying. Um, but also I, I just wonder where, where you stand in terms of like how you feel about what he has said and, 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 you know, the feedback you've been getting from people who have maybe questioned the legitimacy of, of what he's earned. You know, I, I, I think, I think people have this, this myth in their head that just by taking steroids, you're automatically going to be wake up the next day and be this massive, you know, ball of strength. Um, and I think to like discredit the hard work that he did to gain the title of world's strongest man, um, you know, is, is childish. He, um, you know, he still had to work extremely hard to get as strong as, and as in shape as he is. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's just one of the, the misconceptions about steroids. Like I said, I think it's just like, people think you're just going to take this magic pill and automatically be this, this amazing world-class athlete when that really isn't just, that just isn't the case. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for that. I, I think that's that's informative for me and for everybody listening. So, yeah. in in uh, in the effort to not end it on sort of a, a, a strange somber note, I you we were talking before we started recording that you uh, currently are working at a boarding school, and I need to know every detail about what that has been like for you. Tell me about what you're doing, and tell me about what your uh, your day to day is like. Yeah. So, um, so I got into this whole boarding school world when I was actually in graduate school. Um, I, I got a graduate assistant position working at a school called Deerfield Academy. And, um, I worked there as an assistant athletic trainer for two years and that kind of forced me into this whole world. And, um, I currently work at the Williston Northampton school, which is in East Hampton, Massachusetts. And here I'm actually, um, the director of sports medicine and the head athletic trainer. Um, and I'm an athletic administrator and also a dorm parent. Um, a dorm so, parent. Look at yeah. you. So Joey and I live in a dorm of 51 high school boys. No, you don't. I do. I do. My front door leads into the hallway of the second floor of the dorm. Oh my God. No way. Yeah. That? So, um, that has to be insane. Yeah. So like, so my normal day, um, I essentially work from eight 30 to six Monday through Saturday. Um, and that's, you know, the morning is pretty much athletic admin stuff, um, just a bunch of paperwork and all that boring stuff. Um, the afternoon is full packed of practices for athletes, doing injury evaluations, taping, bracing, concussion evaluations, um, rehab for injured athletes, um, and a bunch of other stuff. And then, you know, so, and then, you know, essentially most days after six o'clock, I'm free. Um, and that's when I do my, my training at the gym. And then, um, but there is one night a week where I'm actually on duty in the dorm. So, you know, which essentially means I essentially serve as like an RA, like in college. So my apartment's attached to the dorm, um, on the night nights that I'm on duty, my, my door is open to my apartment. I have to check the boys in. Um, we have study hall for two hours. Um, and then I have to make sure they're all in their rooms at a certain time based on their grade. Um, and pretty much just make sure nothing, no, you know, nothing goes down in the dorm and that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
what what was Joey's reaction when you told him that you were going to go be living in a dorm with a bunch of teenage boys? He loved it because we don't pay for housing. <laughs> See, you know what? Joey is a man after my own heart. I'm telling you, he's <laughs> he's got it all figured out. You know, and it's been it's been, you know, granted, it is very stressful um, because, you know, when we're trying to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night, we can still hear high school boys screaming in the hallway, listening uh, to Post Malone, playing Fortnite, playing Fortnite. What else do high school boys do? Yeah. Watch uh, uh, Game Sports. of Thrones. I don't know. Yeah, they're just they're just a bunch of smelly assholes, really. Um, <laughs> and Which you're used it, to, I assume. <laughs> but um yeah you know like it's it's been it's actually been really good for us because you know joey's actually in graduate school full-time right now um so it's allowed us to like you know it's, it's essentially allowed us to have him come to all my competitions um and have a little bit of flexibility i guess financially um while he's studying in graduate school yeah that's fantastic i mean listen man it feels like you guys have it all figured out i i, I admire everything that you guys are doing and and like you know, again, it's it's so cool to have you at the forefront of this sport that is, like I said, so hyper masculine and, and, and so maybe, you know, to the outsider, probably not a, a gay friendly space. And, and for you to be doing what you're doing, I think, is is so incredible. And for you and Joey to be so actively open about your relationship is uh, is very important, I think. So I applaud both of you for what you're doing. And I'm uh I'm I'm a fan of of both of you, so thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, like when I when I first came out and um, you know we kind of got pushed into the spotlight pretty quickly. Joey and I kind of set a goal and like we use this hashtag on social media still, and it's just uh, breaking the stereotype. Um, And that's kind of just like been our goal throughout this entire process of like changing everybody's idea of what gay is, um, because as you and I know, like it doesn't look one certain way. Um, and a lot of people have this idea that it is, you know, these feminine men um, that just like to vogue and wear, you know, wear skimpy clothes. And, you know, which I also love to do, Rob. Don't I mean, listen, I'm not saying that's wrong, but <laughs> there are, you know, there's so many different there's so many different levels and personalities. And, yeah. you know, I think, um, you know, like I said, just trying to change the dialogue of, of what gay looks like and that it, it isn't one thing. Um, I think has been like our biggest motivator and, you know, kind of something that is a, is a big reason why we are so, you know, kind of public with our relationship. Well, I, you're doing a service to, to a lot of people, I think, especially a lot of young people. So I, I commend you for that. And, uh, I look forward to seeing what you're going to do. Cause I mean, the two of you look like you're about to, you know, shoot off into the sky. I mean, you, you got to <laughs> get away from all these high school boys, but. after that uh well listen man thank you so much for your time this has been so much fun and 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 i appreciate you letting me dive into your world a little bit because i it was something that i i really didn't know much about and and now feel like i have a a better understanding and you know you got to keep breaking those records for us man that's the plan and i really thank you so much for having me on this was a lot of fun awesome man thank you so much you got it okay bye rob bye Buddy, that's it 
thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Rob for the time. I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You know, it's it's always fun to get to dive into somebody's world for a little bit, somebody's life. You know, I, I feel like I learned a lot from talking to Rob and, you know, just the fact that he's out there doing what he's doing and being his complete and honest self, I think is, is fantastic for all of us. And it's, and it's great for him. And I, I really can't wait to see what he's going to do. I mean, he's going to keep lifting heavy things and showing all of us uh and next time i'm moving i'm calling rob and rob's gonna help uh thanks rob uh uh thank you for listening i i hope you enjoyed it until next time daniel trainer for same team signing off bye